0: Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Berman. I'm group news editor for Logistics Management Magazine, as well as the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. Today, it's a real pleasure to welcome Chris Kaplis to our podcast. Chris is the chief scientist at DAT Freight and Analytics, which operates the largest freight marketplace in North America and also DATIQ, the industry's most trusted source of market analysis and truckload pricing data. I should have mentioned it's actually Dr. Chris Kaplis at the beginning. Dr. Kaplis also serves as the executive, executive director of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's Center for Transportation and Logistics, more commonly known as the MIT CTL. And he is also the founder of the MIT Freight Lab, a research initiative focused on improving the way freight transportation is designed procured, and managed. Dr. Caplis hosts DATIQ Freightvine, a podcast where supply chain leaders discuss solutions to the critical issues they face every day. Hey, Chris, welcome to our podcast. Hey, Jeff. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Absolutely. It's good to catch up. Uh, Before we jump in, I just want to offer up a big thanks to DAT Freight and Analytics for sponsoring today's podcast. Uh, So, Chris, to begin, um, why don't we start at the top with sort of if you could please provide an overview of the current state of the spot market in the transportation industry. And uh, as a part two to that, how have recent market fluctuations impacted both shippers and carriers?
1: Yeah, let me, so most people listening to this podcast probably know about spot and contract rates, but just to make sure. So I'm talking about truckload transportation, which is a $400 billion market. It by itself is two to 3% of the national GDP. So it's a massive market, Over two hundred thousand carriers, so it's a really interesting market to study. Um, But what we're, what I'm talking about here is there are two main ways that people um, procure truckload transportation. One is through an annual contract where they do a bid and RFP and they secure those rates, and those rates are good for a year. And we can talk about how effective those are or not. And then there's the other way, which is called spot, uh, where you actually determine the price at the time of tender. It's transactional, it's a one-off, as opposed to contract rates, which apply over a longer period of time on a lane. So the spot markets have been around forever. Uh, DATs had a load board since the 70s. It's just evolved in technology from Blackboard to internet to now where where it is today as an electronic marketplace. Um, But the spot market has always been there. And it's historically been used when contract rates fail, And so the way contract rates are typically used by a shipper is you run your RFP, you find out the carriers that win on those lanes, you put them in a routing guide, and then when a load appears throughout the year, you offer it to the primary carrier. If they take it, good, you're done. If they don't take it, it goes down a waterfall to the the first alternate, the second alternate. And when that waterfall in the routing guide fails, it goes to spot market. And what uh, the spot market typically is, is for a shipper, it goes to a broker and the broker is working with that long tail of carriers um, and finding capacity because there's a lot of capacity in the market, and most of the carriers in the truckload market are are relatively small. So the current state of of the spot market is it increases and decreases the use of it depending on the economy. During Mm -hmm. the 2018 capacity crunch, uh, spot usage increased roughly 20%. Um, but then in 2019, when things settled down, it went back down to about 10 to 11 percent. During COVID, it went up to like 25 to 30 percent of all truckload was procured under spot, and it's decreased a little bit since then to 20, but not as much as it has historically. And so that's something that's pretty interesting, Jeff. In that, what's changing now is the use of spot is changing um, because, okay. yeah. Historically, spot was a four-letter word, and and technically, it really is a four-letter word. Um, But they used shippers used to hate to use spot because that's using a broker. It's variable. It's not as consistent as a contract. But that's really changed over time.
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, uh, and we see we we've seen a lot of those changes, especially probably going back to March 2020 or so. I'm imagining back at the onset of the of the pandemic. Yeah, uh, the, but- the funny thing, Jeff,
1: with that is initially, remember in March and April, that's when carers were picketing the White House because rates were so low. Right. And then, of course, a month later, it all went to went to hell. Well, yeah. depending on which side of the coin you're on, right? demand yeah. went through the roof. I and mean, you're right, the capacity was really tight for the next two years until like May 22.
0: Uh, absolutely. All right, Chris, great. So h- here's another one. So can you tell us a little bit about how can shippers strategically use the spot market to their advantage? in budget planning other um, specific scenarios or industries where uh, in your opinion, uh, this approach could be viewed as uh, particularly effective.
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny because the, the, just like how we said spot is becoming more accepted by uh, shippers. The definition of spot is changing. It's uh, not all, you know, not all pigs are equal, right? Not all spot is the same. And so mm-hmm. the traditional open market spot is I have a load. I go to a load board. You know, a marketplace like DAT or I go to a broker and they just find a carrier at whatever rate we can. That's open spot market, traditional bread and butter spot. But what we're finding is some other um, ways that shippers are using what I'm calling dynamic or structured spot where they will go to a select set of uh, carriers or brokers and using API and they'll ask, say, oh, here's a load and give me a price right now. And then I will take that uh, from the, that set of carriers coming in, or I will do something based off a of benchmark plus a certain percentage. In other words, the pricing is dynamic at time of tender, right? But the selection of the carrier is preset. So we're finding a mix of the traditional contract and pure open spot, and that's what's really exciting is that shippers, carriers, and brokers are experimenting. With different ways to allow dynamic pricing to to follow that market which moves up and down, mm-hmm. right? But also give some security, right, to the shipper that they will have that capacity covered. All
0: right, great, great. And um, in, in terms of transparency, we hear that term a lot in, in all walks of uh, of supply chain, like transparency, visibility, et cetera. So, how about if we could quickly talk, to Chris, about the importance of transparency and real time data? in-spot market strategies, uh, how does this impact cost management and budget planning?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good question. So when a shipper, the big concern they have is, and everyone has this, they don't want to be taken to the cleaners, right? And so if I go out to the spot market, um, you, there's always that risk that you're going to pay 3X, 4X. And so having guardrails is really important. And so one way that shippers, brokers, and carers are, are getting around that is they say, okay. The price that we will charge will be, the say, the DAT rate at that time of day, because we, we're able to do a, a lane a point-to-point rate at a daily level, say, plus X percent, whatever that is, you negotiate that. And so having that real-time visibility to a trusted index is critical. it, it Usually, it has to be a third party. It's really tough if you're going to say, the broker's going to say, oh, I'm going to use my own index. It has to be one that's commonly agreed upon. So having real visibility, and transparency of what is the underlying market rate index rates you're using makes the uh, load by load indexing possible. And that's, I think, the the route of the future for certain lanes, and especially the lanes we're talking about, Jeff, are not the, the power lanes you have that are shipping three loads a day. These are the load lanes that you are shipping, I don't know, five loads a year, 10 loads a year. And what's shocking is for a shipper, most shippers Eighty percent of their lanes uh, are carry a very little amount of the, of the volume, and usually it's the you know Pareto is everywhere. Twenty percent of the lanes, fifteen percent of lanes are handling eighty percent of the volume. So you have a lot of lanes carrying low volume that you can handle using this dynamic or structured spot mechanism, and that is only able to be done if you have uh, visibility and transparency to a trusted index. They can be used reliably in real time
0: does that does that make sense absolutely absolutely and I, I think it's a nice segue into the following question too in terms of chris are there specific challenges or risks associated with relying on the spot market for spot market for transportation needs and how can companies uh mitigate these risks uh effectively
1: yeah that's that's a, another good question and so Yes, there is a risk, um, and it's the volatility of the rates and not being able to get capacity, uh, and so that's the challenge. I think there's more acceptance of volatility um, because people now have, lists. Have you know, we've faced uh, 15 years of cycles, right? We've seen this now, and so everyone knows that there will be a business cycle. The power will flip back and forth every two to three-plus years depending on the triggers for the business cycle. So the idea is that we know we have to – ride the wave to some degree. And so the question, the risk is, well, how do I know I'm not being taken advantage of if I'm a shipper? And the way to take care of that, again, is having a trusted third-party index and something with guardrails. And okay. the the carrier will want this as well. And so by having some kind of uh, top, uh, compa- you know, think of it like the uh, monthly mortgage rate where it's an AMR, where you have caps on how far it can move. And that's what you really need to mitigate the risk.
0: Okay. All right. Terrific. And um, how do you think, Chris, uh, companies can strike a balance between leveraging the spot market for cost savings and also maintaining strong relationships with contracted carriers?
1: Yeah. Again, um, this, is, this gets to the whole question of using a portfolio. So I'm not advocating that you get rid of contracts and put everything on the spot market. I think that's a very risky uh, business. But if you look at your network um, as a shipper, there are three buckets that you can look at. There are certain lanes you have that are high volume, consistent volume, and they're balanced. It might be if you're a retailer, you're going from a DC to a store and there's a vendor right nearby, you can come back to a DC. It's a classic triangle. If you have those kind of lanes, you should use dedicated, just without a doubt, just use dedicated because you can keep that truck going. Mm -hmm. At the Mm -hmm. other extreme, if you have a bunch of lanes that have 10 loads a year, five loads a year, 20 loads a year, even that's probably not worth putting it out to bid because it's not consistent and the carrier probably won't be able to have capacity right there when you need it because it's so irregular, those should go out to spot. And then the middle ones are the contract. And so these are relatively high-volume lanes, aren't necessarily balanced, but they're fairly consistent. So typically what people have been doing, what shippers typically have done, is they throw everything that is not dedicated out to bid. And what that does, that weakens the, the nature of a contract because they're asking carriers to provide contract rates for lanes that show up once a month, which is just kind of silly. So by using this dynamic pricing, you're actually getting rid of 50 to 80% of the lanes you have to go out to bid. And so it makes the bidding process faster. It makes it more focused. Carriers are focused on the lanes that really matter. And you're getting rid of the many lanes, low volume that you can handle better dynamically. So it might be cost saving depending on how the market changes, but it really minimizes the effort and it allows people to focus on the things they should focus on the high volume lanes not trying to get a contract on a 1Z2Z lane that has you know a load every other month mm-hmm. the contract isn't worth the paper it's printed on
0: yeah i mean so in a sense you you're almost getting a truer sense of the data um and no, none of those onesie-twosies, as you alluded to uh in terms of peeling the onion and uh really really making it work for the shipper uh, right in,
1: right defense. and and by by, by having contracts trying to get contract rates for those really slow, low volume lanes that dilutes the power of the contract. Mm -hmm. So I think what happens as shippers really separate and and segment their lanes and use this portfolio, it'll strengthen the contractual relationships and make those relationships with your core carriers, hauling your major lanes stronger, because you're not forcing them to take these onesie twosies and handle those in the best possible way, which is using a broker who has that access to more fluid capacity or go straight to a load board do something okay. a lot that way but handle those differently than the way you would handle a heavy high duty volume
0: lane okay all right understood um all right so uh when when looking at uh what key trends and factors should logistics professionals be aware of as they start to plan their budgets for 2024 uh especially uh, in relation to the spot market. I I, I miss, I misspoke there. So basically what are the key things and factors they should be aware of for 2024 budget planning related to spot?
1: Yeah. So here's, here's the tricky thing, right? Because we're in supply chain, right? And everything impacts supply chains and supply chains impact everything. And, you know, everything travels by truck. So by following that through truckload transportation is impacted by everything. If uh, you know, Russia invades Ukraine, that impacts what we do, because that changes the demand of certain things, changes the supply of certain things. If a pandemic happens, of course, it changes things. So there's these triggers that could have a huge effect. So I always say you should always pay attention to everything, right? <laughs> try to yeah. see what's coming down the pike. But I think the big thing to follow is we we do a report every month called the Signal Report. And there are other reports out there that kind of capture that cyclical nature. We're at a point now, we've been in an inverted market for truckload where the contract rate is higher than the spot, which is atypical. It's been that way since um, May of 22. And the gap is about 30 cents uh, per per mile for uh, dry and reefer. And so what I think you should pay attention to is seeing how that closes, because the market will change. Um, There's a lot of people who get You know, they get recency bias and they think, oh, it's going to be a market, soft market like this forever. Mm -hmm. Or in the pandemic, it'll be a tight market like this forever. And it won't. It will change. So I think the thing to do is keep track of trends that you see in the the rates. As you see the contract rates starting to uh, loosen up a little bit, spot market rates starting to increase a little bit, and the market will revert. So for me, what we watch, we look for demand, signals coming in, look at retail reports, look at uh, imports, and look at supply. Keep track of uh, you know FMCSA data. Try to see if enough capacity has gone out of the market to start driving prices up. So it's a long answer to a very uh, tough question, but uh, you should essentially pay attention to everything.
0: Oh, yeah, no, no, no question about it. Um, so more from a DAT perspective, uh, can you tell us a little bit, Chris, about what role does data analytics, specifically DAT IQ, play in helping logistic professionals make informed decisions? Regarding the spot market, uh, and then a, as a part, a follow-up rather, can you maybe there's some success stories or use cases uh, you you can mention as well?
1: Yeah, so um, the funny thing is, I've been in this industry since the early '90s, and that uh, there was no one with a PhD really in the industry outside of academia, mm-hmm. except maybe um, you know at Schneider. Um, they had you know the CEO at that time was was a Georgia Tech PhD. Now, data science is everywhere. Um, And so I can't think of a company, I haven't talked to a broker in years that doesn't have at least a handful of masters or PhDs working on things. So I think data science has totally invaded this this, uh, industry, which is a great thing, because people are more data driven. And so the, I think you need to have the data science capabilities in any organization at this time. And the the question is, do you make it centralized? Do you have it specialized within your transportation organization? And people go back and forth. But I think that the beautiful thing about what data science is doing is not just for spot market. It's allowing you to understand the total, you know, your total transportation uh, portfolio, understanding what you go to dedicate, what you go contract, what you go spot keeping track of what things are, where are your routing guides or where are your contracts failing? Um, so we now have more capability and access to data to allow us to better, almost micro manage your transportation network. Because as you know, Jeff, these, these uh, shipping uh, freight networks are thousands of lanes, um, some tens of thousands of lanes sometimes. And so keeping track of that now is much easier having data science. And okay. so what we've seen is that companies use our our systems, benchmark analytics, rate view, rate cast, all the different tools that we have to better understand how they're procuring, uh, where they need to improve things, and also where they should uh, refocus their efforts. And so it's a better way of them uh, enabling them to better manage their disparate and widespread freight transportation networks.
0: Okay. All right. Terrific. Um, Chris, could you please... Um provide some insights into the benefits of aligning procurement strategies with uh, spot market dynamics. Uh, how does that impact things like long-term budget planning, for example?
1: Yeah, so this is this is an interesting project or question because the, the question is, okay, it used to be easy when I'd set up my transportation budget. I get my routing guide out of that bid that I've run with the RFP, and I just multiply the volume I expect in each lane times the rate that was secured and boom, I'm done. Now that always failed but I but I, I, had the security of a contract rate in my back pocket. Now we're saying, okay, 80% of your lanes or I don't know, 60% of your lanes, which only care about 20% of your volume, we're, they're going to be flexible. So the question is, how do you build that into your budget? And the way you can do that is, is a couple of different ways. One is you want to look at the probability that it will go to spot market and then the probability of what that cost will be. And those are things we model. And so you can actually get a spot budget Um, estimate of what this will be over the period of time. And you can get a range off of that. So what you can do is you look for the sources of uncertainty within your network. And there's only so many, right? You might have new business that comes up, right? That wasn't expected. You might have existing business that goes away. You might have uh, lanes where the rates increase because the carrier increased their rates. You might have a mix, the mix of volume changes. So in a lot of your volume that's going on high cost lanes, shift to low cost or vice versa. So, there's only a handful of things that can change. And now, what we're doing is adding a new one in. And these are those low volume lanes that might have that you're going to let float on the dynamic uh, market. And so, what you can do for this is you estimate now what the rates will be. And that's something that we do with modeling. And then you can build that into your budget with an a, a appropriate range. And so we're doing this actually as a research project up here at MIT CTL, starting this year with a couple of grad students um, working with C.H. Robinson on this, their TMC group. Um, And so we're trying to come up with what's a better way to forecast under uncertainty for budgets. So it's an interesting area, and it's something that uh, I think that the CFO will welcome, because I think CFOs, the C-suite in general, are have an aversion to uncertainty right there's a lot of times where you want to have a, a contract rate even though you know it's going to fail you have that still and you you know that that makes you feel good it's like linus's blanket um, <laughs> but i think now we're saying okay let's embrace the uncertainty ride the wave just let's let's book bu- bucket it let's put some guardrails on it
0: and that's what we're trying to do yeah, no, that, that's a great way of putting it. Just a couple more real quick ones here, sure. Chris. Um, what advice would you give to logistics professionals looking to optimize their budget planning process for 2024, considering obviously the evolving nature of the spot market?
1: Yeah, I think, Um, again, I I'd start looking at the models. We're, we're at a very soft market. And what we're seeing now is shoots of the spot market kind of creeping back up again. It's not in the free fall that it was. I'll uh, say six months ago. So I'd say start getting prepared for when the market's changing. So, what does that mean? Well, you know, the, the shoe will be on the other foot soon, whether it's Q4, Q1, Q2, it's coming, right? And so, what I would recommend you do is strengthen your core relationships. And again, if you're using a portfolio mad, uh, management technique, you're looking at those core heavy duty volume lanes. And those are the ones you give to your contract carriers, your real core carrier providers, your partners, and then start, make sure those relationships are, are strong, and then start thinking about how do I have uh, in place something can handle the more dynamic natures uh, of uh, some of those other lanes, the low volume lanes? Do I have APIs in place? Do I have connections to a set of trusted um, broker providers that will give me that capacity for those flexible lanes. So I think right now is the time to get your house in order. You fix the roof
0: now while the sun's shining, because it's going to start raining. Can't tell you exactly when, but it will Mm -hmm. rain. Sure. No, no question. And uh, lastly, Chris, uh, what resources, tools, or best practices can you recommend for logistics professionals who want to stay ahead in their budget planning by strategically using the spot market?
1: You know, the best thing to do is, of course, read Logistics Management. There you as go. As well as listen to the Freightvine podcast. Yes. Um. So, yeah. you know, Jeff, we're in a time now. I mean, you've been in this business longer than I have. Um. There was a dearth of, of material to read Um. back 20, 30 years ago. And now we we're, we're have so many options. There's so much out there. Availability yes. to data is so strong. So if you're not perusing daily downloads from different um vendors from different uh, sources than you should be um there's so many things you can look at to find sources of data where it's data driven and not just opinion pieces um there's a lot of uh, things out there uh, to pay attention to
0: yeah no no question about it um well chris this brings us to the end of our allotted time for today's podcast so uh on behalf of Logistics Management Magazine and the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, I'd like to offer up a big thanks to uh, to you for spending some time with us today and also to DAT Freight and Analytics for uh, for sponsoring today's podcast. So thanks a lot, Chris.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I really enjoyed it. And and maybe I'll have you on the Freight Fine podcast sometime.
0: Yeah, that'd be terrific. Um, and for those of in the audience, uh, just a few quick things. Um, uh, if you're on Twitter, Please go ahead and give DAT a follow, simply at DAT Freight Team. And they also have a presence on LinkedIn. So uh, go ahead over to LinkedIn and and search for DAT as well. Should pop right up. And Dr. Chris Kaplis is also on Twitter, and that's at C-C-A-P-L-I-C-E. And so are we at Logistics Management. It's simply at logisticsmg. M T. And, uh, please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you're not already, wherever you get your podcast just simply go ahead and look for supply chain 24 seven. Thanks everybody. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.